we had a little discussion. I mean, there's two things that if you really want to work on the behaviors of your dog, there's two places to start. Teach them to sit and teach them to walk on a leash without pulling, right? I mean, both of them work with communication. Both of them work with you not just being the boss, but being a team. And once you start building that teamwork, there's so many things that we can stop bad behavior-wise if you can just do those two things. Well, Scott doesn't just train dogs. He kind of trains the owners, too. So I'm being trained at the same time. Rolling Bones Outdoors presents Hunt the World. From Montana to Mexico, Alaska to Asia, Colorado to Canada, we hunt the world. Our team at Rolling Bones Outdoors is here to help you create memories that will last a lifetime. Get ready to hunt the world and let's get started. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of Hunt the World with Rolling Bones Outdoors. Welcome to the Bone Cave. I hate to tell you, Brad, but we are not going to be able to do the shooting schools in here. I think we should. I know. You're, you, have some, <laughs> you have some romance with sticking 12 guys in this room and teaching them how to shoot because all these horns in here. But we have an entire production. It's an stuff, environment. So it, it is a great environment. We can toast uh, a shot of Pendleton in here. We can have a whiskey and, uh, um, and move forward. So anyway, but welcome to the Bone Cave. We're happy to have you. I have hashtag 393, which um, I know I said this on the other podcast, but I might as well say it on this one too, is now officially in my um, cabin. So I appreciate you for that, Brad. <laughs> I've never killed a 400-inch bull, but I'm glad you did. Right. So I get to look at him every day. So so literally in my cabin that I work out of, I have the largest, I have the state record um, bull, elk, that was at that time. Is that not right? Allegedly. Allegedly. We never, we never registered him. Mm -mm. And I would potentially have the state record mule deer in that same cabin. What did you take your mule deer home? It's been in there. Oh, yeah. Well, you knew that. I was out front. You didn't. Yeah, I took it. Gone. Oh. So I have both of them in there. So, yeah, I'm not hurting. It doesn't hurt my feelings at all. So, anyway. So, we got Brad Dana. We got Bleep. We also have a couple guests. We have Nick Baker. Hey. It's good to have you here. It's great to be here in the in the cave. <laughs> in the bone cave. Yeah. And and from Iowa by way of Wisconsin. Is that right? That's, yeah, I got stuck in Iowa. And so, so I did the reverse. I, I was from Iowa by way to Wisconsin to uh, South Dakota, so I kind of went a, a, a different route, but um, on Wisconsin yeah. and uh, go Hawks. Is that right? You a Hawkeye fan? No, no. Okay, I, you don't tell me you're a Cyclone fan. I won't tell you then. Oh, you are. Well, are you an I, Iowa State grad? I am an Iowa State grad. I did not know that. I'm well, so now sorry. You're knuckling me. So I no, I, I'm just like. happy. I'm just happy you're an Iowa State grad. At least you picked one. The Cyclones, <laughs> yeah, right. but I, I'm not a big Cyclone fan. But anyway, Noel Erickson is yeah. an Iowa State grad. Um, he would be like, Hoorah. oh yeah. That's probably the only reason I'm not a big Cyclone fan is because of Noel, because I like to bust his balls, and it's it's good to have him not. So anyway, yeah, Noel oh, played hockey And this there. is Scott Dewey, everybody. Yeah, he played college hockey there. So. Yep. Yeah. yeah, Iowa by the way of Iowa. Iowa by the way of Iowa. Yeah. So well, from Forrest Gump, people call me Forrest Gump. I moved <laughs> <laughs> 15 miles. That's right. <laughs> that's right. So anyway, we so so here's the thing. So so Did Nick he say, here's the thing or here's the deal. No, I said here's the thing. Okay, good. So I didn't say here's the deal because that's your thing. <laughs> Come on, man. Because you have you have a Freudian. Uh, uh, Iowa. Uh, yeah, Iowa. It's always here's the deal. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. So here's the deal. Here's the thing. Here's the here's the thing. Anyway, so we got Nick and Scott here today with us, and uh, we're going to do our podcast on uh, dogs. Great. Hunting dogs. I know a little bit about dogs. You do know a little bit about dogs. Actually, you blew my freaking mind today, and uh, I like being – I like – like you You saw the enthusiasm. <laughs> I you, did. You'd stated it earlier. I was like – I loved it, yeah. I love it when, when I, I – I like to be flabbergasted. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. not very often at 52, having built a few companies and been – you know, it's like you just don't get flabbergasted. Yeah. Today was one of those moments. It gave me hope, too, because I know quite a bit about dogs. I have a brand-new puppy, so – Yes. And to, so to see someone control a dog was pretty – Pretty great. See a dog. So you have a kennel. You I are do. you part no, of this? He has no. a kennel. I have a kennel. So oh. they own a company together, though, okay. that has um, is bringing a new training tool to the market. 
gotcha. that is second to none. And we are we are meeting today, as you know, um, right. on that training tool, going through it. And uh, um, it's actually it's actually I want to want to say it's 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 not a prototype. It's going nope. to market. Yep. It's just we're Later, building a marketing strategy and a plan around it. And uh, and you brought it out here because we're involved in uh, another business together, Gator Eyes. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, and so I was blown away. But we actually had dogs in here that you were training today. Yeah, and I, training wasn't really even the the right word we were working with them we were communicating with them and the owners and it was amazing even for me watching dogs every day for 20 years to watch some of these dogs in what did you time 40 seconds 40 seconds um change directions and attitudes for their owner that they'd been fighting not even fighting um dealing with so you're like a pat pirelli clint anderson with horses huh well uh (laughs) Interesting. I'm, the dog yeah. whisperer. My wife trains horses. I oh, train dogs. Really? So yeah, it's a good oh. combination. Yeah, Bremer County's big horse country. Butler um, County. What's that? Oh, you're in Butler. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Yeah, I know. Same area. Yeah. So, so tell us about your kennel. So the kennel I have now, um, I actually started there as my first dog training kennel. So I've kept that kennel all the way through everything I've done for the last 22, 23 years. But right now, it's a boarding kennel, grooming kennel. We have daycare. We train obedience dogs. We pretty much do everything out of that kennel with a big training facility, kennels to board dogs. So you have a big training facility. So you have, like, some places where you can teach them to handle obedience? No, we don't 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 do do a whole lot of the handling anymore. Mainly, the dogs I'm working with are, are, are strictly your basic obedience dogs. And we used to do... You know, drop your dog off, you keep it for two weeks, keep it for four weeks, take it back to you. Now we've, we've streamlined this, and a lot of it, I think, is just technology, but people don't want to be away from their dog that long. So we combined what you've heard about before other places doing daycare, drop your dog off, play mm-hmm. all day, and training. So we do drop-offs from 6.30 in the morning till 8 o'clock, and then those dogs get trained and play all day till 5 o'clock, and they get picked up from 5 to 6. The owner gets a video sent to them with a training session, uh-huh. and then we tell them what to work on that night before they bring them back the next day, and we build the dog up until it's fully trained. So how many dogs are there? 20. 20. And how many people? Are you the only trainer? No, I have a trainer and an assistant trainer, and, and assistant. I have two other trainers that we rotate days out. So and then how about groomers? I have one groomer. You have one groomer. Mm-hmm. She works her butt off. I think and we might have found a potential new groomer today, didn't we? <laughs> yep. And and here's how this will work. Your femoral artery will be bled out because I'm a butcher. <laughs> and uh, I know exactly how to hit that. <laughs> and uh, um, even though you were a professional uh, ring fighter, um, that's okay. No, anyway. Yeah, she's uh, Sophie's quite the gal. Yeah. So yeah. and she was one of them with the dogs in here. So you started as a retrieving trainer. You did a lot of uh, – um, I don't want to call them bird dogs, but retrieval dogs. Yeah, we actually, in the beginning, I started as a assistant to a competition retriever trainer, and he trained dogs for AKC field trials. So I was his assistant. I went to Iowa State, graduated, moved to Illinois, started designing and selling commercial buildings, worked there for about two years. You have an architecture. Uh, that's a great architectural school. Yeah. Well, I was actually Ag Systems Technology, which oh, okay. was like a – Year Great ag less school than, too. Yes. Meat science, big meat science school. Right. And that's what you were in. Right? Uh, not in Iowa, but yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I was training my own dogs, and I was going to a couple hunt tests, and I heard this guy had an opening. So I, I literally walked out the door of my college job and went to work for him, stayed in an old well, What did your home. parents think of that sh- My parents were actually pretty good. They're like, hey, yeah, go ahead, try it. You're young and whatever. And pretty much everybody else in my life said, that's the dumbest thing you could have ever done. You know, why, why would you do that? What, <laughs> now looking back, I don't know if they say that, but it was it was a, a venture for sure. Worked for him, 2000, started a kennel, and then I started training competition dogs. Did that till 2012. We ran the national every year in a different time zone. Um, wintered in Texas, so I'd go down there the first of January, stay until May, come back home, train dogs in Iowa in the summertime, travel the rest of the year. Oh, so this was your life. Yes, yeah. So you know how to get a, a dog to hold and stay where it needs to stay and then release and go fetch and bring it back and stand right next to you. Yeah, and then about eight more years of training on top of that. Yep. <laughs> wow. So our dogs that were in training went home for December. This is like the senior hunter and the master hunter. No, this tra- is trials. about ten steps above the hunt tests. 
which the hunt tests are a very good venue for pros, amateurs, and dog owners mm-hmm. to take their dog throughout the year, compete, but they're competing on a standard. Right. Okay. So if you don't pass the standard, you don't pass. If your dog is up to the standard, it does everything correctly. It passes. You get a master pass, and they build up master passes to go to the master national. Uh, AKC Field Trial is a competition event where it can have 40 to 110 dogs. And, you yes, you have to hold the standard, but you are placed one through four, and everybody else gets nothing. Oh. I, I had a dog that was a se- uh, senior hunter. Okay. And uh, but that's the different one. That's the... The first one you yes. talked about. Yep, yep, totally different. And then as in, in the field trials, they get points for placements. And to become, like if you look at titles and you see a field champion, yep, that dog had to have a win in an open stake, had to beat everybody else there that weekend, and it has to have ten total points, and a win is five. So some dogs work their entire life to become a field champion. And then to become a national field champion, you have to qualify for the national, which is get a win and two other points. And then you have to beat the other 90 dogs or 100 dogs that are at the National that week. It runs for seven days. Really good dogs. Yes. Yeah, the world's best. The world's best. World's best. Absolutely. Hands Elite of the elite. Yes. It's like NASCAR. I think maybe you might have been experienced with one of them or had one of them. Is that right? So I had a dog I named Dewey Strike, a Moon River. And I got it. Where would Dewey come from? Yeah, that <laughs> the Moon River was the kennel I bought him from. Oh, and uh, you are Dewey, Scott that, Dewey. There you go. I like it. And he was out of a dog called Hilltop's Hayseed. His called name was Bubba. And Bubba was a field champion. Well, interestingly enough, I raised this puppy. I sold him as a two-year-old. Bill Eckett trained him along with Bobby George until 2007, I believe, and he won the national. Yellow male, which usually you don't have a yellow male win the national. To why? Give you a well, yeah, why? Thank you. Well, there's more black dogs running, and the black dogs are more competitive as a whole. And right. I say that, and two weeks ago, the national finished for 2022, and a yellow dog won it. First one, first male, I believe, since Drake won. I actually bred a female I have in 2019 with Drake Seaman, and he died in 2012. So this puppy's out of Drake, and we're going to breed to this year's national field champion. Wow. So she's going to have a national field champion grandpa and father, and they're both yellow. Wow. So it's Wh- interesting. It, what about brown uh, chocolate labs? Because there, there, there's like a you're old getting, wives' you're, tale you're that – You're going uh, into a whole nother <laughs> podcast here. i, I got to be really careful. I'm a little biased. Because um, I hear sometimes that they used to say, you know, they they were the most recessive – well, they are, uh, and they're they the are. dumbest dogs because well, of I'm that. not. I'm not hardest. Gonna, I, I don't I, hardest I mean, to train and I'm work. Not with. going there, even though I, I I think we could have a great conversation. There's some really good ones. Yeah, no doubt. There's chocolate field champions, but if we truly look at it, the the lineage of the lab and go back, they have the greatest pedigrees going back to the black dogs. Mm-hmm. Okay, Th- there was more black dogs. Sure. So as you move forward and started getting these yellows and chocolates. If you had an okay dog, and you had an okay dog, and they're both yellow, and everybody wanted a yellow puppy, you bred them anyway. Right. The black dog, it didn't make sense to breed an okay dog because you could go to these other ten that were spectacular. Right. So, yes, the breeding and the genetics for a while, but the two other colors are coming along. You know, and then people will ask about the golden retriever, which is a totally different breed, and they'll have several goldens a year that are very competitive in the field trial game, but not like the labs. And part of it, there's not the numbers, and there are Again, a totally different breed, but they have to run against each other because in AKC, they're both retrievers. Wow. You pretty much, do you mostly or exclusively work with labs? or? So we jumped ahead a little bit. So I did that till 2012, and then in 2012, I actually came in off the road. I let my assistant take over all the dogs. Um, at the time, we had 11 field champions on the truck. Everybody, same thing as becoming a dog trainer. They're like, are you crazy? You've worked 10 years to get this good a crew of dogs, and now you're just going to do something different? Um, I said, yep. <laughs> yep. So Drop what that was is I co-founded an organization called Retrieving Freedom, and that is an organization that started training service dogs for disabled veterans and kids with mm-hmm. autism. And I did that for the next eight years. Oh, okay. So, that you, so you do all kinds of training. Yes, so that was eight years. And then in 2020, I stepped back away from that and went back to my kennel and said, you know what, we're not going to train hunting dogs. We're not going to train service dogs. We're going to start helping all the 
Nick Bakers of the world <laughs> and the people that have a dog that just want a good, obedient dog. And that's where we started this day training. Oh, yeah. And in that, we have anything from a Chihuahua to a Great Dane. And that's an, it, this obviously been an amazing business model for you. It's, it's been spectacular. Not, you, it, it, I, I can't even know because, like, I got a son with a Jack Russell Chihuahua combination, right? Mm -hmm. And he can't get it to come because he chases it and thinks he plays a chasing game. Well, I can get it to come because I feed it every time. Mm -hmm. And he just doesn't have the patience because he's like, oh, I'm going to go run and get it. And I, I'm like, dude, there's too bad there's not a day trainer here that he could go to and get – because if his dad tells him, hey, try it this way, I'm dumb because he's 20. Right. And I'm dumb. Yeah. Does that make sense? I've been there. I'm still there sometimes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he goes to you, and he gets a good dog at the end of stated weeks. Yeah. What is the stated time? Is it six? Is it eight? Is it depending on the I dog? I won't answer that because, right. yeah, it's like, it's like your son, my son, people in general. If you said, well, how long does it take you to learn this? Well – Nick might learn it in two days. It might take me three days. I just don't know. I don't know how willing your dog is, how smart your dog is, and I'm not going to give you an answer. I have no idea the answer. So what we're going to do is we're going to start training. You're going to get your video every day. You're going to watch it, and you're going to say, oh, my God, he wasn't doing that yesterday. And then we're going to build on that. We're going to build on that. When you're happy with where your dog's at, you don't bring him back to me anymore, or you just bring him back for tune-up. Wow, that's amazing. What I saw today wowed me. Okay, first with your dog, Nick. What's it, what's it, what's her name? Millie Milkshake. Millie Milkshake. And wh and what is she? The yellow lab. She's yep. beautiful is what she is. She is beautiful. Yeah, a little, little wild. She's got a lot of puppy in her. Well, she's, what, four or five months old? Yep. Five, so, so she's pup. Pup, yep. But today, she, I was just blown away watching her not run out after you. Yeah. And within 40 seconds, well, yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. Well, Scott doesn't just train dogs. He kind of trains the owners, too. So I'm being trained at the same time on how to handle my dog and communicate with my dog. So, and, and, and you've enjoyed the class. Oh, absolutely, yeah. It's great to not just drop them off for daycare and have them burn energy but also be trained at the same time and, uh, and learn. So It's pretty cool. Yeah. So what's your intention with your dog, pet or retriever pet? A little bit of both. Uh, if we could have some fun hunting, that would be great. But I have three little kids, so it's mostly a family dog and – Oh, just want to enjoy her, so. Yeah, and that that's a giant market. Yes. Yes. And so what's it's the a giant market that a needs website? a lot you of help. You should let everybody know your website. Um, it's Rock River Pet Resort. Rock River Pet Resort. Mm -hmm. We're on Facebook. We're on the. We're on. The, we have a website. If if I lived in Missouri, I, I live in Spearfish, South Dakota. I want to bring you a dog. You wouldn't take it. No, we would. I mean, we still do what we call board and train. So you pay for the boarding, and then we do the training every day. You know, so it it, it kind of depends on what your end result is but we're still happy to do that it's right we have so many local people waterloo cedar falls that we have a influx of drop-offs and day trains that we stay pretty busy and then i also worked out a deal with it's called cedar bend humane society right. and we built a program called last chances um or it, it's really dogs that they've tried to adopt out and they've had problems they've had issues and they just can't get them to stick in a home so we take two dogs a month from the Humane Society, we work with them, we put them in class, we have them play with the other dogs, and we help them place those dogs. So, What was the dog we had in here today, Sophie's dog, that Rue? Yeah, but what kind of dog was it? Spa uh, spaniel? The spaniel? Spaniel. Yeah, it's a Spaniel. I can't remember what she said, what type of Spaniel. She's going to be mad at us. Cute Spaniel. Uh, yeah, he was. Adorable. Very smart. <laughs> Adorable. That... He was when he so. Why don't you explain what we did with him? But the, I real I was just like when that you grabbed that dog's leash, it was just everywhere. That dog was pulling you. Well, yeah, we just did a little. We had a little discussion. I mean, there's two things that if you really want to work on the behaviors of your dog, there's two places to start: teach them to sit and teach them to walk on a leash without pulling. Right? I mean, both of them work with communication. Both of them work with you not just being the boss, but being a team. And once you start building that teamwork, there's so many things that we can stop bad behavior-wise if you can just do those two things, sit and walk on a leash. So we started with a walk on a leash because he wanted to pull. I mean, you guys, he's not, he wasn't a very big dog. What was he, 30 pounds? <laughs> yeah, he was a stout little son. 30 pounds, and I was using two hands on the leash. I mean, he was picking up his front feet off the ground, walking on his back All feet. All going, like, no slow. Huh? Yeah, take me around like I'm in charge. So before this, it was even more fun. Actually, before this, I taught Brian to heal. Yes, you did. <laughs> 
and yes, you did. Just use the shot collar. Nope. No, we just used the no, leash. He had me shut my eyes. I don't know what happened all the time, but it worked. <laughs> but what I was trying to show him is how we communicate to a dog through a leash. And if you keep it tight all the time, that dog doesn't ever, ever have to pay attention because it's always knowing where you're at by the feeling of the leash. Mm-hmm. Right? If it's pulling up here, it, it knows you're at the end. But try to get a dog to walk on a loose leash. Brian found out today, learning how to heal, that it has to use its eyes. Eyes. Yes. And once they start using their eyes and they start looking up at you, the whole world changes for them, right? And you guys saw that with this dog today. Well, actually, with both those, Ovis and Rue, it was amazing how within minutes their eyes were like this. Yes. Eye contact. They were paying attention. And they were right on your thigh. Yes. And, And you can all attest that there was no part of this where we made them do it or that we used an influx of and a, a serious adversive or pain, right? It was a communication process to them. And what I explained to everybody that was there, dogs typically don't like to repeat themselves. So every time Rue tried to go forward, I turned around and went the other way. And we spent maybe 30 seconds kind of walking in a circle. I was going one way, he's going the other. Finally, he looked up at me like, dude, <laughs> you are the dumbest dog walker in the world. Every time <laughs> I go one way, you go the other. And you can attest to this, too. That was the first time he gave me eye contact. And I said, hey, good boy. And he's like, oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> Took a couple more steps. I turned. He turned. And then it was just like he got it. His eyes were glued on me. He's like, and then I was rewarding him. You know, we, we, we got to pay him. Who likes to work every day and not get paid? Right. Not me. Right. So affection, treats, you know. $100 bills if they're milling milkshake. <laughs> um, it just occurred to me. I was running the timer on the dogs, and uh, the spaniel took 40 seconds till she started figuring it out really fast. Brian took the longest of all the training today. <laughs> Brother, the that does dogs, not surprise me. The two dogs me. were fantastic. <laughs> Man. I just well, thought. Welcome to my world. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. He made me shut my eyes. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's all I'm going to say is he made me shut my eyes. Yes. So, it, you know, it took a minute um, when my eyes were shut and he wanted me to use them. So, uh, in my defense, that's the thing. So, ultimately, what we did is we we used a, a new tool that we're coming out with that it's kind of a reinvention of an old tool. Um, it allows you to communicate with the dog very well, but ultimately all we're doing is showing the dog the result we want to get the reward they want. You saw it with Millie at the door. I said, guys, we're just going to open this door and see if she bolts through, right? And she did. Whoa, she jumps through. I just pulled back on the leash, came back into the room, shut the door. I didn't let her bolt through. Did I? I didn't keep going through the door. We walked back to the door. We opened it. She bolted through, but not quite as fast. Tightened up the leash, turned around, walked back into the room. Third time, I opened the door, and she went to bolt and just stood there in the open door. Deli. Looked up and down the hallway like. And then we walked through, and she realized at that moment that this is how I get to go through the door. Right? I paused. I waited. Yep. I looked Be up at Scott. And I go. And I said, good dog, and we stepped out. So now she knew, oh, my gosh. I don't have to bolt through because I have to go back in when I do. I have to repeat myself when I pause. So then we tricked her a little bit. We brought Nick up, had him stand outside the door. And one time later, even with Dad standing outside the door, she hit the brakes at the open door, looked up at me like, can we please go see him? Yes, we can. And that was her reward. So it's just once you understand how to communicate with a dog and get – the end result that you want and it also is the end result they want and they think it was their idea that's dog training well i think you're a genius (laughs) thanks nick (laughs) so i have a question for you um from a hunting perspective yes so i've only ever trained one dog That, that wasn't a pet and for me my perspective the 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 pet thing to have it come was important and to have it heal was really the only two things because they just stayed in the yard. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I wanted the dog to come. Oh, and I didn't want it to jump on people. Didn't want it to. I didn't want yeah. it to. So I, t- I but, but I taught it based on that class I took that I only trained the one dog. And I did the VHS, and I still can't think of his name, but you knew. Walters? Who Richard guy Walters? W- yeah, Richard Walters, yeah. water dog. Or yeah, water gun dog. Yeah. Gun dog. Yep, yeah. had the white hair, right? Yeah. So, and I had one good dog, Black Lab, by the way genius lab smarter than me right and uh um was really good 
Um, and so anyway, um, one of my biggest frustrations as a fellow hunter when I would go hunting with people, pheasant hunting, they'd say, and I'd say, are you bringing your dogs? Yes. I would want to keep my dog in the kennel once she was trained 90% of the time when I went hunting with other people because three reasons. Number one, dog owners are like parents. They have dog goggles on, parent yes, goggles. Yes, they think, oh, that's my dog. It's so trained. It's unbelievable. But it won't listen when you say come, and it's running there, and they got the shot collar. Beep, 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 and screaming at the top of their lungs at the dog. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I didn't do that to my dog. Does that make sense? Yes, it makes perfect sense. And I didn't want my dog around that, so I just keep it in the kennel. Mm-hmm. Number one, it just drove me crazy, okay? It, sure, it could retrieve, but never brought it back to you. Right, right. <laughs> it it um, retrieved and then run around everybody, and they had to beat the dog to get it to stop to let it, its hand out. But it was a world champion bloodline retriever. Does this mm-hmm, make sense? Mm-hmm, it does. Um, so this is what I heard. So I was like, okay, I just left my dog in the kennel because I didn't want it to be around that, number one. So maybe you could help me with how to handle that because I am going to get another good dog, I think, someday, and a horse. But anyway, number two, they I didn't like it that they wouldn't heal. They wouldn't come and stay. Does that make sense? So I didn't like other dogs always running around me when I was pheasant hunting. Mm-hmm. So And then number three, real quick, they always jumped up on sh- They always jumped up. I don't want another dog's paws on me. I saw that as the three biggest problems with bird dogs or hunting dogs, retrievers. Is that what you see? How do you correct those things? Do you get a lot of that, and how do you train that? That's a big question, isn't it? Well, that's a lot of questions, actually. Yeah. Um, so let's let's hit the the upland game first. Yes. Because that's what you're kind of talking about. Yeah, upland so, game birds. So if we're talking about upland game bird versus what I see with duck hunting dogs, it's, it's totally different, typically, right? right? right. Um, duck hunting is a lot more controlled job for a retriever than mm-hmm. pheasant hunting is. And we'll talk just about retrievers, not pointers. So it's hard. A lot of times I get the question of, well, can I hunt my lab with his German short hair? Right. Well, sure you can, but he's probably going to flush the bird out from the German short hair, and then that guy's going to be mad that he didn't get to kick it out, and you guys aren't going to like each other anymore. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but you can I mean, you can hunt them together. There's no law against it. They just have two different have two different hunting disciplines, styles, yeah. right? And a pointer can range out there 80, 90 yards as long as it holds a point and doesn't push a bird. You got a Labrador ranging 80, 90 yards, and it's flushing birds. It's worse than not having that dog, right? For sure. I mean, you go out pheasant hunting, and one guy's dog can ruin the hunt. Right. And that's a little bit about what you're asking. How do you guess that? Usually it does. Well, the easiest (laughs) way for that is don't hunt with that guy, Um, right? Right. I mean, you kind of said, I left my dog in the truck. I'm going to probably pick a different hunting partner. But if he'll he'll listen to you, then we've got to start fixing some things. And I've heard it a lot of times. Dog owners don't listen to other dog owners. No, they d- no. It's like trying to tell somebody else how to parent their kids, like right. you said. Mm-hmm. And their dog's the best dog ever. Parent goggles. But ultimately, we have to understand that obedience is the most important thing here. They're so afraid that they're going to take the drive out of a dog by making it come when it's out too far and it's flushing pheasants. So their mindset is saying, oh, my gosh, I can't call him off of that because he'll never want to flush a pheasant again. Okay, so are you telling me that if you made them sit before they eat, they're never going to want to eat again? <laughs> right? Right? Yeah. I mean, you've got to think about this. you gotta, you got to say, th- this dog loves the flush birds. Okay, let's show it the rules. You get out to 30 yards, I tell you to come back. You have to come back. If you don't, I'm going to give you a redirection to come back. It might be a collar correction. It might be a, a long lead rope that we're working to teach this dog. But ultimately... Once dogs know rules, they're happy to do them. Can you imagine a dog that loved to flush birds, figuring out that he can't flush birds anymore because every time he gets out, he gets put back in the truck and he doesn't get to be a hunting dog. If he just knew that I stayed within 30, I got to flush as many as I wanted, that's the owner's job to teach that dog. They're not born knowing that. Dogs are born knowing the genetic side. I love birds. I like the scent of them. I like to go get them. They might not bring them all the way back to hand. But that's still not the problem of flushing a bird too far out. The biggest takeaway from this is 
you as a dog owner have to realize done correctly you can teach your dog to follow obedience even though they're doing something they love to do and you're afraid to take that drive away is that is, yep. are you guys follow me yeah, yeah this, totally this could be a parenting it, it, seminar too it's yeah. well, it, it actually it's so it's so correct it's like horses so i grew up on a horse farm we used to always say you don't want to you don't you want to break the horse to ride you want to break the horse to be a good horse but you don't want to break the horse's spirit right right but here's what the problem comes in is that this is kind of like the jumping thing so we're going to hit two things here is that this dog doesn't come when called when it's not 90 yards out in front of you chasing a pheasant so you jump on it with an electric collar and burn it for flushing pheasants 90 yards out because it's not coming then it might think it was because it was flushing pheasants because it doesn't know how to come even when there isn't pheasants so we have to make sure that we train the dog to do the obedience command without the distraction first. Jumping on people is a perfect example. I get this call eight times a week, and I told you about this earlier today. As they call me, and they say, i got to get my dog to quit jumping on people. Okay. I said, we can do that. Oh, great. How do we do it? I said, teach them how to sit. Oh, they sit fine. Oh, really? Well, then when it's jumping on somebody, tell it to sit. Oh, it won't sit then. Well, then it won't sit. I have never in my life, and you guys can attest to this, unless you've seen something I haven't, seen a dog jump and sit at the same time. Now, they might sit, then jump, sit, then jump, but they can't do it at the same time. So it all comes back to the basics. Teach it without distractions and then enforce it with distractions. What's a dog take, 15 minutes a day? Um, again, that's, I mean, if I was teaching you and Brian two tasks, I would, say might take brian hour or two brad 10 depend minutes i'm glad you guys said that yeah dependent depending on if it's math or social skills does that make sense yes because every dog has different abilities right absolutely um to treat to teach brad not to be a social idiot might take years does that make sense <laughs> um but you know oh a, a mathematical yeah. formula in the lab, maybe five minutes. You know what I'm saying? Right. The guy's got it. If so. you spent 15 <laughs> minutes with your dog every day working on a specific task like sit or heal or hear, yes, you would have a spectacular dog. Yeah. And that <laughs> I get it a lot, too, that I, I want you to do it. I just don't have the time. I'm like, yes, you do. You just don't know how to do it. Just be honest. I'll show you how to do it. And if you have 15 minutes a day, you can do it. Not very many people don't have 15 minutes right. a day. So. Well, everybody has 15 minutes. That's what I said. It, it's just a matter of making no, time. No, they don't because you don't have – they don't have four minutes to brush their teeth twice a day. It's, well, they have it. It's just <laughs> they, didn't make, they didn't make time. Right. You know, it, it's, it's, like, it's like I tell my guys in, in my other world I was telling you today. It, it's, it's like it, there's, there's a give and a take, right? I use this in sales seminar. You can't see it on the podcast. I just put my hand up. And and you just put your hand up. Why, against why are you pushing why, back? Why did you do that? Oh, I thought we were doing. I don't know. I yeah. I trained you, quickly. You just, did, you just did it again. <laughs> and why why now are you pushing back? I do this in sales seminars all the time. Well, you would be a good dog trainer and, then. And people go, you just did it to me. And yeah. why are you pushing back? Be, because because it's instinctive. It is. It's only natural. So everything has a cause and an effect. You just learn have to learn how to. And I tell people this when it comes to sales. You just have to learn with your personality and your demeanor how to cause that effect. Does that make sense? You just got to learn how to cause that effect. I thought it was and a high five. I just did something good today, but right apparently now not. this is the high five. All right. <laughs> so <laughs> so but it's a cause and an effect. Everything's done with cause and effect. And and so it's like what I saw today. I gotta tell you, amp me up. I was like, wow. He you was. saw it on my face. He really oh, yeah. was. Oh yeah. <laughs> I was it, like, and it never gets old. Because uh, I don't train dogs. I don't train horses. But I do train people how to make sales, and I work with people every day. And, and you try to be an influencer of behavior so you get more from them and you give more to them, right? Yeah. What I witnessed today, I was like, dude, I, 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 I want to I have – teach me. <laughs> teach me how to do that to a dog because that was awesome. Yeah, so what you just said right there and what you just did to me, imagine a dog that you needed to brace all four legs, stand up, stiffen up, and help somebody that's disabled use that dog as – like a prop or a crutch to get up off the floor. Wow. Okay. So the dog c can do it on command, but you want them to stiffen everything up. How would you think you'd train a dog to do that? Well, just like you did to me, put your hand out there. We just start pushing down on their shoulders. And what do they do? Push back. They push back. Yeah. 
and then you push down a little harder, they push back, and then you start putting a command to it. 90% of the people out there trying to teach their dog to sit, what do they do? Push down on their butt. Right. It's like, I'm going to push you down. What's that dog do? No, you're not. No, push you're back. Not. Yes. Doing totally the opposite of what they should be doing. And so how do you teach a dog to sit? So the best way to honestly teach a dog to sit is just to reward a sit. And how do you do that? You're like. When they do it, you reward it. Yes. So <laughs> you just wait. I mean, the best the best thing about being a dog trainer is being patient. So I bring a dog in here, and I d eventually they're going to sit. I mean, it's just a natural position, right? So as soon as they sit, yes, good dog, give them a treat. Take a little tiny puppy, eight weeks old, start just giving it a little piece of kibble every time you see it sit down. Within two days, they'll be following you around the house trying to sit in front of you. They're like, look at me, look at me, look at me. And the other thing you do is you never say the command, sit, until the dog already knows how to do it. Everybody tries saying the command like they think there's some dogs born knowing the English language. Like, sit. Dog looks at him like, what the hell does that mean? Well, it means put your butt down. Here, I'll show you. I'll push your butt down. They push up. They're like, this isn't working. My dog doesn't know how to sit. Like, well, of course it doesn't. You know, you're pushing him around. You're saying a word. I mean, like, if I made up a word, like, make up a word, Nick. Pickle chunks. Pickle chunks. And I just said, <laughs> pickle chunks, Nick. Where did that come from? <laughs> <Pickle> Wisconsin. <laughs> Wisconsin, boy. Pickle chunks. <laughs> well, we got some weird foods over there. <laughs> so, oh, my gosh. So... <laughs> <laughs> At the end of the day, if you just start treating them for a behavior, they understand that very first sit, and they start learning that you'll reward them for a behavior they're doing. And then we call it association. When they start putting their butt almost to the ground, we'll say sit. They aren't going to mess it up. The butt's already going. Their butt's down. They get 100 out of 100 sits right. They all of a sudden associate that word to a behavior they're already doing. They never get it wrong. Now that now you stay sit, and they like pop their butt down. They're like, I know this. Of course you do. Because we taught you that word went with that behavior. And at that point, that's the start of what I call learning how to learn. Once they learn how to learn and learn that there's rewards for behaviors that Scott's going to put words to, you can teach them anything you want. So the fundamentals of building a, a good upland bird dog, a uh, uh, retriever. No different than building a good, reliable house dog. If you buy a good dog with good genetics, start with the obedience. Teach them how to walk on a leash. Pointers, there could be a little bit of a controversy of teaching them sit, so we won't go there. But if we're talking about retrievers, Labradors, work on sit. Work on going to a place board. Work on all these things of learning how to learn because most of them are going to have the desire to go get a bird. You might need the help of a professional to do some hold and carry and some force fetching and some blinds and sitting on the whistle. Talking a whole different league than... Yeah, so they're just going out and shooting a few birds and having a good dog yes. that'll flush, retrieve, stay close, not jump up on all the buddies, and uh, um, it can be handled. Yes, but I'd much rather have a dog that was really, really obedient and really listened well and didn't hunt quite as good as the dog that didn't listen. Then hunted its ass off but didn't listen. Yes, yes. And if we hunt those dogs, I want to be the poster. Right? I'll stand at the end of the field. Right? <laughs> you chase them to me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's like, who's walking this time? Oh, that guy, that guy, that I'll post. Uh, I'll see your dog before you do. <laughs> I'll be I'll be rewarding <laughs> yeah. him for the behavior I wanted. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to elicit yeah. this response. Yeah. Go. Yeah. I'm a half a mile down, standing at the end of a cornfield. Uh, I'll catch him on the way by uh, after yeah. I shoot a I'm dozen like, pheasants. Yeah. <laughs> hey, buddy, how'd you get down here? <laughs> uh, that's funny. Best dog I ever saw was a uh, a tiny little lab, and his name was D.O.G. Um, and uh, it was out in Blunt, South Dakota. And that little sucker, uh, his owner was the partner of the guy who had the the uh, um, Ringneck Lodge, right? And uh, um, anyway, he was an old feller, and just the most level-keeled guy you ever saw. That dog would get out, and it would just – Vibrate almost like Ovis did today mm -hmm. at the end. Vibrated, but didn't break stride. Does that make sense? And, yes. And that dog was always inside that 60 feet. You know what I'm saying? It was always right there, yeah. working back and forth, back and forth. And by the second day, I'm like, um, I'm hunting next to him. Yeah. <laughs> <that's right. laughs> that, that you would be my guy. Yes. <laughs> well, let's talk about duck hunting, though, because a good duck hunting dog. Have you ever been with somebody, you get in the blind, you know, you got these mallards, they're making their final swing, they're about 60 yards out, their feet are down, and his dog jumps into the decoys? 
and they all back out yes. and you don't get any shots. Again, it's a simple command. Sit. So don't give them a treat when they do that? No. <laughs> no pickle chunks. But, hey, good No question. pickle chunks for them. Good question. Because you know what happens is they shoot anyway. They hit one of them because they're a little far, but it drops. The dog whips around and goes and gets that one. And like, oh, I'm so glad he was out there. We'd have never got that bird because he saw it fall. Huh. Right? So you said don't treat them. They just did. Yeah. That right. duck was the treat. That duck was the reward. And then when they got back in, they couldn't scold him for retrieving it. So they actually said, great dog. Oh, yeah, good job. Dog. Did you see that retrieve? That yeah. was us. Well, yeah, he's halfway freaking there when you shot it. <laughs> um, you don't want that. You want them sitting in the blind and knowing their obedience. It makes us so much a better hunt. And it's safer. Right? right. I mean, do you want your dog to get shot by the guy that's shooting too low because he broke and you don't want that. Yeah, you speaking of dogs getting hurt, Millie Milkshake today. Was she used as bait there for Ovis? We were tra- <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking actually. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, she was. It was it was a distraction. <laughs> a bait is okay. an unfair question. Um we would never ever ever allow two dogs to get in a position where we would consider it uh, dangerous. No, Ovis did well. He was yes. Well, and just so everybody and knows who's who's listening who Ovis is. Yeah. Ovis is is uh, Kelly our um, Kelly Pools, who is our director of uh, bookings. Yes, and he's and, a Malinois. And he's a Malinois, and he is our shop dog. Yes. He, he's the only dog. Everybody has dogs here, but he gets to come in, and um, and he has an overzealous streak to him. Yeah, and, what I and we had a five-month-old puppy that thought every dog wanted to play with her, so we used her <laughs> to build his excitement. Which um, kind of was his bait. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and he he did phenomenal. You know, but the, he reacted exactly as Kelly thought. Yes, he did. And Kelly was physically <laughs> nervous. Well, remember, I even asked her. I was like, yeah. you are, you're worried here. Oh, I'm worried to death. Why? You know, you're both on leashes. We're not going to let them get too close. We know what we're going to do, right? We're just going to well, do the same thing. Well, you helped her with how to handle it as much as you helped Ovis. Yes. And the two of them made this connection. And did you see both of them just let that tension oh. fall out of them? By the end, I mean, her shoulders were good. I mean, yeah, the dog was breathing. When she walked the first time, it was like. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, Kelly, if you're listening, I, I, I was just so impressed with everything today. Yeah, I was too. Because stepping in to a situation with somebody you don't even know, like me, and knowing that you've spent a ton of time working with your dog. Right? She, has. she has. It's obvious. Yeah. Um, but. The open-mindedness that she came into it with oh, um, and said, oh, Scott, I would try that. Yeah, sure. And where she left at the end, you could tell she felt successful. Yeah. Well, Lindley even said, Kelly, did I hear a belly giggle? <laughs> because she belly giggled. You know, she went, <laughs> like, this is amazing. My dog just did that. Right. She was proud of her dog and how she was able to handle that dog. And they were feet apart, and Ovis did not react like that right. anymore. Yeah. Thanks for not eating Millie Milkshake. <laughs> <laughs> because Ovis. Been pooping little pickle chunks. <laughs> well, well, when, when Ovis was fuzzy, in here fuzzy and Millie chunks. came in, Ovis lit up like, yeah, a, he did. like a melon. Yeah, like why, why did you come into my room? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but he quickly, with just redirection again and rewards, understanding that if he changed his behavior that we were going to get to do things he wanted to do, he quickly changed gears. He's like, ooh, I get to walk closer to that dog if I don't pull there? We've known that dog for two and a half years. Watched its development. As impressed as I was with that is when you planted his ass or had her plant his ass right here. And leave the room? And did the walk around, the come through, leave the room and come back in. He didn't. That's not Ovis. Yes, yeah. it was. That's not. That was Ovis <laughs> today, but that's not Ovis. You even used the F word, uh, flabbergasted. Right? I, I did. <laughs> yeah. I did. I heard it. Exactly. We didn't have to bleep it out. <laughs> F and A. <laughs> that's a financial deal there. Uh, F and A. Uh, financial needs analysis. <laughs> F and A. So, uh, anyway, that that yeah, I was I was flabbergasted today well brad brad's had a couple labs and uh really good labs and great uh great companions great hunters i think for for you know for everybody out there everybody wants their dog to be great and do great it's it's like i tell people it's like i tell people i've never met anybody when it was like in sales right i've never met anybody 
They got the courage up to set up a sales appointment that went in there and went, God, I hope I screw this thing up. I hope I don't make this sale, and I hope this goes real shitty. I've never met anybody that – they didn't do that. They didn't engage in that to do that. It's just like I've never met anybody that bought a dog or has a dog that says, I hope I have the most unobedient dog on planet Earth. <laughs> it's just the fact of the matter is is that nobody, nobody hopes their kid goes up there and fails. Everybody wants their kid to win. And no kid I've ever watched walk into the batter's box went, holy shit, I hope I get hit or strike out. They go, I want to hit a home run. And the dad's over there screaming at him, hit it, hit it, hit it. You know, and the kid's like, F- if I knew how to hit the f-ing ball, I'd hit it every time, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's just amazing to me to watch a professional like I saw today just take a dog and go, yeah, this yeah. is no problem. We can make this dog what this dog doesn't know what it wants to be, but I can help it be what it knows it could be. Well, I think his new invention helps a little bit. And I think well, that thing is amazing. Yeah. Gives the trainer some confidence. Too, Your guys' new invention. Well, Scott's the genius, like I said. I like to surround myself with geniuses. So it's a good thing you're yeah. sitting next to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that, no, that's us. <laughs> sorry. Swing harder. Brad. Sorry, so, sorry, Brad. Honestly, Nick, we'll surround ourselves with geniuses. You got Bleep, Brad, and uh, um, Scott. These guys yeah. are big eggheads, and we'll just sit here and uh, um, we'll do what we do, and that's distribution. <laughs> <laughs> just send us the check. Yeah. yeah. Let us know when it sells. Yeah, nice. My last, my last. <laughs> Lab Scott, I bred with my female. You she bred was, it. That's terrible. I had. Yeah, I had. A, had her. I had my female bred, and the the male was a master hunter. She was He's a senior, and I had this giant pedigree. Mm-hmm. And he was the nicest dog, and he was the worst hunter I've ever had. In my Why life. was he the worst hunter? He, you know what? I, I, uh, he was the first pup. And he lived with – he thought he was a person, I think. Okay, but why would that make him a bad hunter? You're a person. I don't know, man. He would walk on your heels. He's a bad hunter, too. Oh. Okay, they, <laughs> often, <laughs> they often do say they take over a real God. close personality of the owner. Yeah. Did you Jack watch Millie copy, today? Boom. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was a bad Is that why swimmer. my dog's sw- so lazy? <laughs> he swam like his dad. His dad – the sire was a bad swimmer. Okay. And uh, but he was a sweet, sweet dog, really nice dog. Well, and I ran into that a lot. I mean, when we were training competition dogs, and it wasn't they weren't any good by any stretch. It's that they weren't quite good enough. Okay, and it takes an exceptional dog. So it was really hard for a new person getting into the competition retriever sports to understand that more than likely this puppy you bring me is not going to be a competitive dog. Right. It's going to be a maybe a great hunting dog it's maybe going to be a great companion but once you start understanding that it's no different than people like we talked all day today we're not all good at everything right and well you you weren't a great hunter and your dog wasn't a great hunter so same thing (laughs) (laughs) that was brian said that yes so true so true No, the, the dogs. But are, the female, the female was a hunting fool. The, her, his mom was unbelievable. That was maybe. My and did best you mostly dog. upland hunt? Uh, I did a little bit of everything. Okay, mostly but mostly upland. Mostly dog. at the end, yeah. We when I was younger, probably with those two dogs, it was mostly pheasant and stuff. But my earlier dogs, we did we we did. But our our waterfowl hunting out here is different we'd walk streams and jump because the water would be open and stuff sure. so it was more like upland okay. hunting too. yeah not yeah. like the hunting we're used yeah to. it's not Ponds, iowa stuff dumping in marshes right. um wisconsin iowa okay. um where like i told you because mine was trained to sit that's that water dog mm-hmm. video. yes mm-hmm. i mean i could sit her across the pond yeah and she would just i mean she would squeak and squawk and shake but she wouldn't leave yep and uh, but that's a different, you know, right. what I'm saying? totally different. Yeah. So Dish. I've seen some dogs that have really been trained hard for either competition or duck hunting that don't catch on to pheasant hunting that well. They they understand heel. They understand yeah. sit. They understand retrieve. They do a great job of walking along. And when somebody shoots a bird, they'll go get it. Right. But they can't get the idea that I need to go out and look and find. Yeah. Them. What he didn't do was was work the field. Right. You know, which seems seems like there's an innate sense hey this is what we and i would say that that was probably my lab too the reason i'd keep her in the thing she she was we trained her to be a waterfowl dog Mm -hmm. and we'd take her pheasant she had a nose for it and she like but she wasn't aggressive like like that like that dog i talked about that dog was like i mean 60 feet it was doing everything you know what i'm saying 30 yards 20 yards it was just going my lab would be like yeah, I like this. 
but I'd prefer to sit over there and just retrieve it. Right. And when the shot would go off, my lab would beat it out and retrieve like crazy, but it just didn't – I saw that, I guess, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. Well, and – Again, some are better that, than others, but there is ways that you can certainly take that dog if he does like birds. He does like to retrieve. That dog's well, dead. Well, uh, yeah. take a dog like yeah, him, yeah. and we could set up certain drills that would help you get him looking for birds in the field. Yeah, but you gotta have to have some access to some birds. You have to have the time. Um, it's just like everything else; they're not just made to be great hunting dogs. They're made with the potential to be great hunting. So, dogs. so Scott, I, I'm I'm listening to this podcast. And I'm from Tubelo, Mississippi. Okay. And I have a, uh, um, I have a, I have a waterfowl dog. Okay. What would be the top three things that you would say? Or uh, I'm from Aberdeen, South Dakota, and I have a flushing dog. What would be the top three things that you would start with when training a dog? Well, a hunting I mean, dog. Let, yeah. Let me think about this question because I think it would be better worded as I'm getting a dog and I want it to do this. Okay. Yes. Because then I don't have to ask you what the dog already does and doesn't do, right? So we're starting from. I'm scratch. starting from puppy. Yes. And you want a great hunting dog. First three for fundamentals. Duck hunting yeah. or pheasant hunting. Um, I, my fundamentals are going to be the same. Make it a great, obedient dog to start with. Teach it sit. Teach it to walk on a loose leash. Start working on your recall. Once you get those things, then we can move to the birds. Then we can move to hold, carry, pick up a bumper, retrieve a bird, sit in a duck blind, flush a pheasant. But both dogs still need to know, sit, hear, and heal. You can't do anything else without those three things. Sit, hear, and heal. Sit, hear, and heal. I like it. And that's what makes a great house pet, too. Oh, Absolutely. I mean, 95% of bad behaviors can be stopped with good obedience. Right. Right? You can't jump on somebody if you're sitting. You can't be chewing on the chair if you come when called because I see it happening. No, you need to come here. But what happens is people are like, oh, my dog tore all this stuff up. And well, what were you doing? Oh, I was in the shower. Well, it's not his fault. You right. Put, you put it out there. Right. right. You weren't watching it. Exactly. And it doesn't do any good at that point to go out and get all mad at him and throw him in a kennel. They're like, oh, good to see you after your shower, too, Mom. <laughs> Beat my ass for being yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I, I, I seriously think that's another good point. That one of the worst things you can do to correct either a, a baby, even a behavior that's happening, let alone a behavior that's already happening, is put your dog in the kennel. It's just a cop-out. It's just it, The dog has no choice then. You put it in, you shut the door, you said sit in there for a while. Well, what good is that? It can't leave. It can't make any decisions. Teach your dog to sit on a place board or a bed. If it's doing a bad behavior, go over and make them sit on the bed because then they can tell you, screw you, I'm getting off. Now you can say, no, you're not. Get back on. It's like telling a sit kid to sit in a chair, right? They have a choice. Um, <laughs> if they know you well, they might stay sitting in the chair, right? Or if they know you well, they might get up and say, they ain't going to do nothing about it anyway, right? I don't know who's putting them in the chair. But still... They have a choice. Give your dog a choice. Let them fail. Put them back on there. Show them that they'll get a good reward for staying there and good behavior. But you can't do that with a kennel with a shut door. This is so good. You could do one podcast as a parenting show, change a couple words, the next one be about dogs. <laughs> well, I, I was just thinking the same thing because if you don't correct bad behavior when kids are little and create it and, and correct it with good discipline, they just become older, spoiled brats yeah. that um, are louder and harder to handle and control. Yeah. Does and that make sense? Yeah. And here, even one step further on that is that I get challenged a lot and the industry gets challenged a lot with 100% positive reinforcement dog training. Have you heard about it? People like, you don't have to correct them. You don't have to do yeah. All you have to do is reward them. Does, it, does that concept Does that make work? Sense? Yeah, well, I'm going to say no, it doesn't, make, it doesn't make sense it, to me. It doesn't make – I was just going to say no, it doesn't. The the 100% reward, it's it's like that, that's – so I coached high school baseball for six years, um, and I took a break from work and said this is what I'm going to do. And um, the big, my biggest problem was not the kids. I could have handled the kids. I could have corrected the kids. I could, I, I could get a lot out of a kid. Mm -hmm. And uh, the problem was the parents were the, the release valve. Yeah. 
Well, they would come in and they would be like, "Don't you see my kid? Hey, listen, your kid's okay with not playing every play because he knows he doesn't need to. And sometime in life, he's going to find out that he's not going to make the starting lineup, and he's going to have to change his behavior if he wants to make the starting lineup." I agree. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. And when you look at it with, with a dog, and you say. 100% positive reinforcement. Don't get me wrong. I think they need positive reinforcement, and they need a lot of it. Right. Okay, minimum, it's got to be 51-49, or you create this. But there's got to be a consequence, doesn't there, if they do bad? I'd even call it a redirection, even if we wanted to be really nice. Not even call it a consequence. We could say, you have to be redirected and shown the right way. We're not going to just ignore it. Make okay? the right thing but easy and the wrong thing hard. You can do it that way, sure. But if you go too much consequence – more than your reward, you get a fear of failure. You've probably seen that in kids that were yep. corrected too much, yep. right? So I tell everybody, I said, you have to have more positive, at least 51-49, right, yep. on the positive side. But the other side to that, if you, like, compared it to a person and said, hey, Brian, you want to work for me? He said, yeah, good. I'm going to pay you X amount of dollars to come work. Let's just say 500 a day, right? right? And I'm rewarding you for your work. But bleep – calls you on Thursday and says, Brian, I need your help. I'll pay you $1,000 a day. If there's no consequences working for me, if I'll just have you come back and I'll just keep paying you $500 a day next week. Then I'll leave whenever I need to to get the 1000 bucks from him, <laughs> even though it's not as consistent as yours. That's right. A dog will do the same thing. If it's all positive reinforcement and all of a sudden this positive is more reinforcing than what I'm getting from dad, what am I? Duh. I'm doing this. Right. Perfect example of this. We used to teach service dogs not eat food off the floor. So we got the best bacon you could ever get, and we would drop pieces of dog treats on the floor and give them bacon Pickled for not chunks. eating them. <laughs> Pickled chunks. <laughs> but think about this. Drop a dog treat on the floor. The dog looks at that, doesn't eat it. I give them a piece of bacon. They get to the point they're walking through Applebee's, and they see a piece of hamburger on the floor, and they look up at you like, hey, where's my bacon? I'm not eating that. I want my bacon. bacon. Right? Because I was giving them a bigger reward. So that dog would still get in trouble if he went to try to eat the hamburger. There still is a consequence, like you said, but we have to have a balance. And I might get argued, and everybody might listen to this and say, Scott, you're an no, idiot. Nobody would argue uh, if they could have visually saw what I saw today. Yes. It, 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 it made me excited. Oh, you guys saw it. I was yeah. visually like – I, I wanted to jump up, high-five you, say, that's the <laughs> shit I'm talking about. That was amazing to watch. What that. do you think, Bleep? Oh, oh. he can't talk. I, I think one of the things that uh, impressed me was how quickly it was, how quickly it took place. You know, And then um, the other thing that impressed me was when Sophie had her dog, Rue, and she took it out into the parking lot behind the, the bone cave here and was walking the first time, and the dog was just kind of going everywhere, mm -hmm. right? And then after a little redirection, um, and you kind of worked with the dog a little bit, gave the dog back to Sophie, and then the dog was just a whole different animal. And right. the fact that then she was doing the same things that you were doing, and the dog was responding exactly the same way. So it didn't it, to the dog. It didn't matter as much who the person giving the commands was. It was understanding what the communication was, and when the communication either came from you or it came from Sophie, the result was the same. Yes. So I think people might get the feeling, well, if I was a professional dog trainer with thirty years experience, you know, yeah, maybe I could get my dog to behave. But the fact is that they can learn these processes so that they can be as effective as someone with 30 years experience. You know, it's like you said, you're teaching, you're training the owners how uh, how to communicate with their animals. Right. And, and the number one takeaway from that is consistency. Yeah. Okay. I do the same thing. She does the same thing. Yeah. And there was an order to everything you do. You yes. say, sit, you know, um, Sit, heal, or stay, sit, here. walk away. Yeah. We don't use stay because sit oh, yeah. technically means sit. Okay, right? sit. You have no sense in saying stay. It's just a crutch for sit. Yeah. Uh, but I get asked a lot of times. I'm glad you brought that up because I get asked a lot of times, why does my dog listen so much better to my husband than me? Or why does my dog listen so much better to my wife than me? And I said, because they're more consistent than you. It's not mm. that they have a meaner voice or that they, they – you know, scare the dog. Yeah. It's because yeah. they are consistent and you're not. 
So yeah. don't blame it on your husband or your yeah. wife. Get more yeah. consistent. Yep. And and uh, I, the other thing, too, is I think people are going to be really impressed when this new um, product that we've alluded to today comes out on market that uh, that's going to be something that will open a lot of people's eyes. Yeah. So it'll be really, really cool. Yep. Thanks, Blake. Brad, any, you had your chance. You didn't have a words? mic. And, uh, any new words from you? No. I <laughs> <laughs> what else? Do, contribute something else. No, but I, I, I think like I was it. having a genius moment over here. I, I had a little sidetrack. Um, so how long have you been training dogs, Scott? Well, bleep said 30 years. <laughs> we'll take it. He's think, rounding up. I think I, he suggested maybe 30 years. 1999. <laughs> so where I grew up in Wisconsin is the Morel mushroom capital of the world. Yes. I want my I dog. I thought that was Boscobel. To, no. They, they got the best biscuits out. and gravy in the world. You should. Oh, is that what it is? Okay. Cure so. any hangover you ever had. <sighs> so, and you guys know hangovers, early age, Wisconsin boys. <laughs> mm -hmm. I thought I knew how to drink growing up in Iowa. But when I went to Wisconsin, I found out they give minors with your high school diploma. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, just, I Next think up your testament to that. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up in a town of 1,200, six bars and a cheese factory. So exactly. It's <laughs> pretty good per capita. I don't know. Right? <laughs> Anyways, I'm just thinking we should train Millie Milkshake how to find morel mushrooms. Do it. <clears throat> we should oh. do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean – Quite honestly, if you were just a little bit better, you wouldn't need her to find them. I mean, it's not that hard. Find a dead elm tree. Dead, dead elm tree that's about three years <laughs> dead, and then go up there and pick the mushrooms. Yeah. I tried planting spores, but that, that's a whole other Why don't I just teach so. you how to find morels? We'll use her for finding that, feathers. That, that wasn't a morel mushroom that you were planting. <laughs> that was a different planet you got to from a different type of mushroom, and they usually grow in, in, um, in Holstein shit, and I know you boys know how to grow those too. <laughs> yeah, the cheese factory was just the front. Exactly. <laughs> we, were in, we were in Alaska on a hunt, and uh, the natives were um, – uh, they were looking for punk uh, mushrooms everywhere because they would sell it. Um, and uh, or what was it? They, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. the punk trees. Yeah, punk trees that they pulled these it was uh, a, basically like quakies. Yeah, or not they, quakies. Uh, they would pull a a spore off of. You know what I'm saying? And then they, I don't know, they pee on yeah, it, step on it. They went crazy for them. Oh man, it was of course. Uh, they like the greater momentum out of the moose we shot, too. They called it ice yeah, cream. I, they, they called it Eskimo ice cream. Eskimo ice cream. And when they, I saw them eating that <laughs> I shit, know, I was right? like, oh, dude. <laughs> they said, hey, oh, man, oh. can we have your ice cream? So you, you got It's yours. Have you ever had blubber? <laughs> I've had blubber on the bank of the Yukon right by the Bering Sea. Um, and uh, because Brad's well, like, no, he'll try some, though. <laughs> I'm like, you. I, I wasn't eating well blubber. <laughs> and he just uh, passed And it I on. probably should have. I had hot. I was. Uh, you were a hot mess. You had hot flashes. <laughs> I, I, was, I was hypothermic. I was freezing, man. Yeah, that was, I needed a little have. calories. Yeah, you probably should have. <laughs> <laughs> well, blubber wasn't sounding so good, though, even in the lack of nuck. Well, today, today was enlightening. I can't wait to share with the world the uh, tool that you guys have created. Um, I watched you use it today, uh, and it, it, it created it, – it, it grabbed their attention – and but it didn't it wasn't it, 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 i don't know if evasive is the right word or invasive it wasn't it, it wasn't aggressive it's really no pain involved it's, it's a communication device yeah. for them that really really just takes the dog to the position where they can understand yes this works good no this doesn't work so well so yeah it was i, I was thoroughly impressed and uh um let's get one for uh, lindley it, it she's it with uh, brian yeah, we could do that, no problem. Um, we looked up some stuff today that looked like that. Um, <laughs> as we, we were doing Google searches on names. Whoa, that was the wrong way. What'd you do that for, Nick? Um, so anyway, well, we appreciate you guys being here. We appreciate being here. Uh, Scott, Nick, appreciate you it's guys. It's been great meeting you. You're a real fun guy. Yeah, well, I don't with know about eye. that. If, yeah, fun guy with an eye. <laughs> um <laughs> Anyway, we've had, we've had an incredible day. But uh, um, if you're looking for some dog training advice, and you're in the Midwest especially, and you say, hey, listen, um, uh, th this guy sounds like he knows what he's doing because he really does, obviously. He's, had, uh, uh, he's an outlier at it. What I saw today was amazing. Um, and we can put you in touch with people all across the country. I've got there you go. That train dogs so in every so state. they can just email you at what? 
Um, well, they can email me at scottdeweydogs at gmail. Scott Dewey Dogs, and how do you spell Dewey? D-E-W-E-Y. There you go. D-E-W-E-Y. Scott Dewey Dogs. Dogs. At. At. Gmail.com. There you go. So just so everybody knows, if you have any questions, um, Scott's a really good guy. Nick's better. And, uh, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, well, Nick's dog's uh, pretty cool there. Um, she is, uh, she is, an, she's going to be awesome. Five, five months old, just gorgeous. So anyway, be sure to subscribe to Hunt the World wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, you'll find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or Google, Google Podcasts, and pretty much wherever else you can get a podcast. Go ahead and go to Instagram or Facebook and click like on Thursday mornings. We drop the link for this podcast and all the future podcasts. And we are 146, 141 weeks in a row dropping a new podcast. And Brad and I have been scrambling this week to make sure we can that through 150 <laughs> through the rest of hunting yeah, season <laughs> because because bleep says earlier well we could always redo a really popular one and brad and are like nope we're hey, we're not breaking this streak now but anyway again thanks for joining us uh until next time stay safe be healthy and happy hunting